Hello ladies and gents and welcome to the AJ Roberts show. Bit different today, uh, I'm not actually doing it via Zoom or via Facebook or StreamYard or anything else like that. We're actually doing it for the first time live in the HQ in AJ Roberts show studio. Um, pretty cool and um, today we're joined by none other than Joe Elwell. I met Joe a few weeks back uh, at a stand in the park um, where people get together from all around the country and basically engage in conversation and dialogue, reference what's going on at the moment and obviously their um, discourse towards it all, the way people are being treated, the way freedoms are being taken away. Uh, everybody that goes to the stand in the parks is very much awake to what's going on and have been for some time uh, and that's where I met Joe. Uh, just turns out that Joe is a molecular biologist uh, with a PhD and has worked for AstraZeneca, Pfizer and here in the UK at Port and Down. So I wanted to invite Joe onto the show today uh, so we could have a good chat uh, about her past, obviously the, the setup of where she worked um, and obviously a, a lot to do with the things that are going on at the minute, not just because of the push from these com companies but also some of the scientific stuff that a lot of people don't really uh, understand or maybe the jargon may have been a bit sort of over their heads and clearly you don't hear about it in the mainstream media. Um, but before we start, I wanted to give my good friend, um, who is also a veteran, a shout out with this fantastic company that he's got. So it's a drinks company called Doodles. And the concept is obviously geared towards uh, younger children. So you can actually use felt tips, crayons, and colouring pencils to actually draw on the can. But it's it's in essence sparkling water with pure fruit juices, so it's no added sugar. So very, very good concept, very good for our children. Um, so I wanted to give him a shout out because he's been a big supporter of the show um, and he's got a fantastic product. So um, awesome little plug there for uh, Lee, Doodles, Doodles Drinks. Um, and it's uh, on Facebook and Instagram as Doodles Products if you guys are interested. Uh, he's always trying to align with clubs and schools and establishments that promote good, healthy living and education for our younger generation. Um, and it's even good for adults to drink as well. So there you go. Um, but Joe, thank you for joining us today here at uh, AJ Roberts yeah, HQ. You're welcome. Yeah, I'm excited to be here, to be the first uh, person to be in your studio, it's great. <laughs> yeah, I love it. It's, um, it's a work in progress, you know, like most podcasts, you know, Joe Rogan will tell you the same. Um, so, Joe, just uh, if you wouldn't mind for the benefit of the viewers and the listeners, just share a bit about your background and how you got to where you are today, because obviously you left school, um, yeah. obviously a budding scientist. Yeah, so um, I was lucky in that as a child I knew that I always wanted to do science and I knew that I wanted to eventually move into the pharmaceutical industry to help, you know, develop drugs to treat disease, to help people with serious diseases get better. Mm -hmm. And um, it was quite a journey. Um, started off at Manchester Metropolitan University where I did an applied biology degree bachelor of science and then went on to do a phd at bristol university and in molecular biology so i got the hands-on experience doing all the molecular biology techniques and then from there i got my first proper job in the scientific community um, working at port and down mm -hmm. and there i was um, funded for two years to try and develop a mimic of the binding domain of tetanus neurotoxin 
Um, and it was, once again, for me as a scientist, it was more about getting hands-on experience in the lab and working with other scientists and just developing those, you know, practical skills and the thought processes behind troubleshooting experiments and things like that. I wasn't really focusing too much on why am I developing a mimic of the binding domain of tetanus toxin, which now as an adult, I asked myself, but when I was 20 something years old, it didn't really bother me too much. But from then, um, I had the um, urge for some reason to go and work in America or just go work in another country. And I was lucky enough to well, maybe it wasn't luck, maybe it was fate, because I believe in fate, um, to go work at Los Alamos National Laboratory in the US, and that's where they developed the atom bomb. It's quite a high-profile, government-funded agency. Mm. And um, I basically moved into more from molecular biology, but using those techniques into more of the using antibodies as tools for different things. So my role um, at Los Alamos National Lab was to develop a detection antibody for the bacteria that causes the plague. So if the plague bacteria was ever released on a large scale, um, you know, industrial scale, like a large scale event, we would have an antibody that would specifically detect the bacteria. And that bacteria has a protein only exists in that bacteria, it's called F1. Mm -hmm. So we developed antibodies to F1. And we published the work and still waiting for the bio threat attack with, you know, the plague, but it mm -hmm. hasn't happened yet. But anyway, once again, I got, you know, working with high profile scientists. And during that time, I was working on a visa. And you could only stay there as a postdoc for three years maximum. And then you either had to get a permanent job or move, leave. And I felt like my time was done there and didn't want to come back to England yet. So I managed to get another postdoc position working at Duke University in North Carolina, where I worked in the brain tumour research unit with Dr. Darrell Bigner. Um, and we were developing antibodies for treatment of brain tumours. So when you've got a brain tumour, once again, it expresses a protein that isn't usually expressed on normal brain tissue. So you can develop antibodies to these abnormal proteins. Mm. And then what we were doing, what they were doing is quite cool is they were arming them with radioactivity. So you'd get your antibody, arm it with radioactivity, and then deliver it and kill the brain tumor that mm. way. Wow. So that was where I first got into more working with, um, you know, animal models, you know, becoming more kind of human biology based antibody research. Um, and while I was at Duke University, I managed to get my green card, and that just opened up so many doors yeah, yeah. for me as a scientist. So from there, um, I worked for a local company in North Carolina, which wasn't really related to antibody. It was it was a molecular biology company, um, but not antibody related. And then from there, after I'd been there a couple of years, I needed to be challenged more. I needed more. So um, I started applying for jobs and managed to find a position working in Gaithersburg, Maryland, um, for Medimmune. Now, Medimmune are basically AstraZeneca. They're a huge company. Um, it's um, the arm of the company that's called Biologics. Mm -hmm. So you've got your small molecule drugs that, you know, historically, when you're ill, you're giving a small molecule drug which will treat a disease. But Biologics are more antibody-based. Mm -hmm. So you can develop antibodies to basically anything 
because antibodies are very cool in that you can engineer them to bind to different proteins, lots of yeah. different proteins. So while I was working there, um, I was involved in a lot of cancer programs, which were important to me, and um, really felt like I was making a difference and, and making, you know, making a valued contribution to mm. what was going on. And what my role at the company was to look at things differently. I've always been a person to bring change. I've never mm. been afraid of change. And it was basically the way that we, we were screening the antibody libraries there was a very routine way that has always been used throughout every pharma company. Mm -hmm. um, it's, a, it's a technique called ELISA, yeah. where you use um, recombinant antigen. It's just an, a, 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 a purified protein, basically. But what, what my role was, was to bring more cell-based assays into the screening pipeline, so you're actually screening for cellular function, right. so that you're getting more of a direct biological readout from the experiments that you're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, people there didn't want to embrace the change. So I felt that my time was wasted there. My, my boss hired me and, um, to, and, and you know, to make this change. But then when it came down to it, nobody, none of my colleagues wanted to, to do things differently. So I thought, well, what's the point of me being here then? Yeah. So started looking on the old, you know, indeed.com for more jobs. And there is the job at Pfizer, basically exactly the same job description. Because this is a novel thing to screen for function is a, a very novel thing to mm. do. Um, exactly the same, basically, job description that I was doing. But Pfizer um, were gave me the opportunity to not only make these changes, but we had a team, a dedicated team, and we were given, you know, all the technological tools that we needed to do that. So Pfizer really invested in, you know, the, the new way of screening. Mm. And um, while I was there, um, I didn't really, I had a few, a few oncology programs, but it was more psoriasis, like skin rushes, mm -hmm. dermatitis kind yeah. of programs and um, programs related to diabetes. So when you have diabetes and you're obese, you get what's called a fatty liver. Mm -hmm. And every program that I seemed to be involved on <laughs> was to do with diabetes. And I just thought to myself, hang on a minute, like diabetes can be cured. Mm -hmm. Type 2 diabetes can be cured if you make a big effort to change your diet and exercise. You mm -hmm. don't need a pill to... Yeah, to yeah, treat yeah. these conditions. And also diabetes in places like the United States rife, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Well, I think there's there's, there's two extremes. There's like the really obese or like the really super healthy. It's like there yeah, doesn't yeah. seem to be anybody in the yeah, middle yeah. there. But um, I was working, and because we were bringing this new department, you know, this new team to the, to the department, mm. I was working, my choice, I was working 80 hours a week. I was dedicating my life to you know, setting up this new group in the department and my boss was great. He he supported me in every way that I could. Mm. But I wasn't eating properly. I was skipping lunch. I was living on coffee. I was going home and drinking like a pack of beer just to cope. And I'd be up till midnight on my computer replying to emails. And it just, for two years, I was just solid work, 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 mm. work. And okay, I was getting a six-figure salary and I was getting great bonuses. But what is the point of all this money if you don't yeah, actually have a life and your health is actually at detriment? And, yeah, I'm sure. And during the time that I worked, like I was in North Carolina, I'd started to listen to Alex Jones on Infowars.com and it was 
the Sandy Hook shooting actually that kind of made me think about and, and question like life mm. you know like and the news and the media and, and I just started to kind of like question things not only in my work mm. but in in outside life and so when just, I what well, so as in um nothing's always as it seems type of thing no so, it's not yeah it's not and um so every time you start you see something it's not always like what the media portrays right is, right it's not clearly not always verbatim no exactly mm. and i as a result of that now i don't believe anything unless i see it with my own eyes mm. and i don't believe the result of anything scientific unless I do the experiment experiment myself mm. because one thing that became apparent when I was working for the pharmaceutical industries is that we'd have a biology team that would you know look through all the disease indications and all the, the different biological mm. processes that were involved in dis a certain disease mm -hmm. and there's usually academic labs that do like the groundwork testing all these different pathways and things and quite often every time we try to reproduce somebody else's work that was published in a scientific journal we could hardly ever repeat it mm. so now publications scientific publications don't actually mean anything to me mm. because just because it's published in a scientific journal doesn't mean that the science is right yeah we know that for fact anyway because um dr peter mcculloch's actually talked about this a few times where um uh early stages when there was clearly alternative treatments to what we're is being pushed on society um there were publications fraudulent publications being written about like hcq for example and saying it was actually like quite detrimental to the heart uh, and stuff like that when he's one of the leading cardiologists in the world was said you know we've held more hands here in this clinic at uh, more heart sorry than um than most places we know what is good and what is bad you right. know for the heart and hcq definitely not one of them but you had um qualified doctors and physicians you know writing these publications with a clear motive and very much part of the narrative yeah um to to i guess disrupt yeah this and, and do do exactly that yeah. Um, and we're seeing it all over the place and yeah. over the last I guess six months I've seen so many um, articles and that were, which have been written on purpose for that you yeah. know, reason to uh, to shut things down and yeah. um, like the Cambridge um, Cambridge testing on uh, IVA you know use the full term um, but they were they were ramping up all the doses and everything so it was like it was almost overdosing the tests so it made it look bad on purpose yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, oh, with any scientific data that you produce, you can, you can, gen you can generate and manipulate data however you want it for whatever outcome you want. So you, in theory, <laughs> so in theory, you could create a model. Yeah. However then, you want it. Yeah. Put it onto a nice graph. Yeah. With some TV cameras on it and yeah. stand next to it and go, well, we're going to see this, 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 and this. Yeah. So as long as the uh, narrative that you choose. At the start, right. Before you make the model, you then base the model on that narrative, right. whether it's true or not. Right. Yeah. Mm. And also, a lot of scientific publications too. A lot of the work is funded by certain organisations that are driving some some aspect of yeah. You know. Yeah. Whether a drug's good or bad. Mm. So. Um, so when you when you started thinking like that, and you started asking a lot more questions, and like key characteristics, I guess, of being a a, a good scientist is to constantly ask questions, um, constantly debate, constantly test theories, 
you know, all this kind of really good stuff, not yeah. just like fixed one way, this is how it is. Right, right, right. Um, just like, a, a, like all good entrepreneurs do, you know, you're constantly asking questions, you're constantly looking at data, you're constantly... Thinking uh, better ways to do better things. Better ways to do it, disrupting right. as well. Yeah, um, change, bringing change. Right? Yes, yeah, exactly, yeah. So when you started doing more of that, did you then start picking up on things like within Pfizer, for example, of like certain like uh, pharmaceutical directions that they that were going in different areas? Or did you start hearing more conversations and? Um, not necessarily, but not necessarily to that regard. Mm. I mean, I don't think they ever really. The, the organizations that I work with with every single program that I worked on if something wasn't adding up I was I was speaking out and calling it out mm. do you know what I mean and and, as, and we always had teams biological teams that had representatives from every part of, so you've got a pipeline right a drug development pipeline you have people from all parts of that pipeline from early drug discovery which is the point where I was working to the end point you had representatives from all aspects of the pipeline sitting on that group Mm. So you you know the statisticians and everything and yeah, yeah. for the most part, people I work with were genuine. But what I'm saying is that other work from academic institutions and other publications, I I just don't trust it. Mm. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, and that but one thing that did kind of make me sad <laughs> was when I was working for Pfizer they uh, they had a really great neuroscience department there was like 300 scientists who had so much expertise and knowledge mm. and Pfizer just decided that it wasn't I don't know maybe making them enough money that the, the, their pipeline wasn't strong enough mm. in that area so they basically cut the whole neuroscience department and if you think about the neurological diseases that affect our society like mm. you know um, schizophrenia or um, I'm trying to think of multiple sclerosis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My auntie had multiple sclerosis. Mm. You know these debilitating neurological diseases that people you know can be really severely have their lives affected mm. by. Like you're just not going to treat those. You're not going to go. You know, treat those diseases. Find try and find cures for those diseases anymore because maybe you're not making enough money to make it worth. Possibly, but on the on the flip side as well. For a person who has, uh, you know, such diseases, it's the, it's the logistics and everyday struggle that goes with it. Right. So it's like the constant care, it's the constant, um, you know, so it actually costs the state more, more. money right. for a person yeah. being in, yeah, or my, having such conditions. My auntie had a permanent morphine patch, um, a morphine tank inside of her that she used to have to go and get filled up and things. It's mm. just crazy. Mm. Um, but yeah, so... Um, after working in the industry and kind of being awake to that the world isn't necessarily as I thought it was, um, I started to think, do I really want to be part of this anymore? And plus I just got to the point, I reached 40 and kind of had a midlife crisis early, I suppose you'd call it. And I just decided that I wanted to come back to England and basically just quit my job and move back. And... Mm. Like, so um, that takes a lot of you know, takes a lot of courage to do something like that. Yeah. Especially when you know your PhD is in yeah. you know such thing, and you spent all that obviously that time at university, and then yeah. all the different companies, different environments, colleagues. Yeah, it's what I always ever wanted to do. Mm. It's like you know when you say you know when you're at school, they say, oh, "What would you like to do for your career? Like have a ten year career plan." Like I was living my ten year career plan. Mm. I, I'd gone through, jumped through all the hoops, and all through, mm. gone through so much to 
get the the experience that I needed to work in the pharmaceutical industry and then mm. when I was working in it I, I realized that I didn't actually I, I think it's changed over the past 20 years it's mm. it's not it's like it's like a lot of things a lot of industries though so you know if um like my, my best times in the military for example were being in places like Afghanistan or based in Germany and stuff like that obviously they those two things don't really exist anymore. Right. So if I went to and went back into the military now, I probably wouldn't like it. Right. You know what like what seemed to be a totally different thing, and right. I'd be like, you know, everything's what's the point of this? Everything's so much more PC now. Yeah, you know, so exactly. It wouldn't yeah. suit me anyway. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's the same in most yeah. industries, and yeah. So obviously, when you come back and um, leading up to you know the situation we find ourselves in now, like at what point did you, uh, or if there's something you can actually recollect, is there a certain point that you were like hang on a minute this ain't right you know like, but there is for most people so for me I was like I always refer back to people body popping on the floor in China and I was just like it just looks so fake and I said something bad's gonna happen around the world they're really using this as propaganda yeah well it was so I come home and managed to connect with some old school friends actually and one of my old school friends is now a pharmacist and we'd all gone out for lunch and and there was this these mentions of coronavirus and you know mm. mentions of it and we were discussing it and we were like yeah but the coronavirus is just generally caused the common cold or flu it's not like you know uh, probably about 0.001 percent of the world actually knew that prior to this didn't they right. i didn't i didn't know i didn't know common colds are coronaviruses right, and there's like i think is there six different types of something like that isn't something there? like that yeah. yeah yeah so um i immediately was like this doesn't add up mm. and then um i started looking at as as time went on i started looking at the demographics of the data um, that was being reported and it was basically in alignment with the flu so the people that were at risk were you know your old your el more elderly population mm -hmm. and that was it nobody you know you get you get COVID-19 you generally get a cold and yeah. then you get over it yeah and um and the antibodies Obviously. Yeah, your immune system kicks in. Like mm. that's what um that's what happens. Mm. So I believe in my immune system. I believe that you know if you eat healthy and exercise and mm. you know take best care of yourself and your immune system. That's what we've. That's what humans have evolved over how many millennia mm. to have an immune system that works. You yeah. know, and it's like it's almost been forgotten about, isn't it? And uh, you know, like touch wood, I I'm never ill, and I think it's because of how I've kind of nourished myself. Um, but the particular vitamins and minerals that I've you know put in my body over a long period of time right. has really helped build quite a robust immune system like I, right. even cold symptoms I like very rarely even get any right. like Me at neither. all um, you know my, my, my dear nan bless her she always used to say to me an apple a day keeps the doctor away Yay. and I religiously eat an apple every day because <laughs> my nan was always right um, and clearly she's, yeah. you know, she said something right yeah. Uh, I'm not saying you know that everyone should go and do that, but you know it's an apple. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like what? What harm can it do? Exactly. But um, it's it's just remarkable how people uh, you know how much they've bought into the uh, the constant programming and the messaging right. from right. media, um, yeah. whether that be like the BBC News, you know, massive on it, Sky News. Um, the radio as well. The radio now. The, the radio. Radio is terrible, um, and obviously like. You got then obviously the, the virtue signaling through 
uh, masks, yeah. signs on all the yeah. doors, windows. You can't even drive them down the motorway now with the big flashing signs and stuff like that. It's just constant messaging. Yeah. It just gets people, and, and we're seeing it now. I, I, I'm seeing it, I'm, I'm within my own circles. People, you know, have got runny noses going, oh my God, I've got COVID, what am I gonna do? I'm like, you've had a runny nose pretty much every year of your life at some point. Right. Um, and it, it's quite disappointing. Uh, that people have uh, mindsets have gone that way yeah and Um, also another thing that i think is important is you know with this whole scandemic as i call it um they've locked us down they've changed our behaviors as humans Mm. so usually we would be going out interacting with other people going to different places Mm. being exposed to lots of different flora and fora in our environment um, that helps build our immune system. Mm. But when you lock people down and restrict their interaction with other people in their environment, then your immune system is basically, you're immunocompromised. Yeah. So it wasn't any surprise to me that as soon as you start letting people have their freedoms back and going out and about, mm. that people are going to start to get sick because those normal viruses and bacteria that are in the environment, your your immune system's waned. You don't have yeah. any. Mm. And... Um, Likewise, if you're wearing masks all the time, yeah. isn't it? You just it creates yeah. a petri dish for infection. Yeah, yeah, and they don't work. Mm. <laughs> masks. I've never worn a mask. They don't work. Mm. Um, it's just, it's just frightening to me how many people are still. I've been trying to. I've been speaking out since day one, basically. Mm-hmm. I've just. I've since day one. I've spoke to all my friends and family. And I said, look, you know, I'm not seeing people dropping dead in the street. You know, um, yes. As with any disease, you're always going to have an at-risk group. But let's protect the at-risk group, okay? Like we did before with flu, right? If you're, you've got flu, you don't go visit granny. Mm. You don't go visit your friends and pass on, you know, whatever you, whatever illness you've got. Mm. But all these ridiculous social distancing, lockdowns, mask wearing, and then the testing. The tests aren't, mm. in my opinion, aren't picking up. They're not specific for mm. what they're saying they're specific for and um, um, what happened when I came back to England and this coronavirus um, agenda started I was approached by an ex-colleague who I used to work with at Porton Down and he asked me if I wanted to go work in a lab doing the PCR tests for patient samples for COVID and at the time I was on maternity leave and um I used to just go on the weekends and work. And then my husband got furloughed, right? So he was at home. He could look after our baby and I could go to work every day. And, and at the time I was like, mm, you know, do I want to, you know, get involved in this? And mm. then I thought, you know what? I'm going to go and see for myself exactly what is going on. Because like I say, I only trust things when I see it with my own eyes. Mm. And right in the early days, the March, April of 2020, um, we were testing patients, basically coming into a hospital, and all the people that were testing positive were your Arthur's, your Doris's, your Iris's, your you know your Ivies, your your older generation. All my ex girlfriends. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why do you always go for older women? No. <laughs> anyway, um, and I said to the manager of this medical microbiology unit, hmm. I'm looking at the data and the numbers of all the people testing positive and it just seems to be in line with flu. And this manager replied to me, yes, I agree, but I'm not allowed to talk about it. Mm. I was like, oh, really? Okay. So that just 
confirmed to me that there was something sinister coming up because I've kind of been awake for about 10 years I, I thought oh, okay this is the start of it mm. I was expecting this to happen much later in my lifetime mm-hmm. but it, apparently they've started it now 2030 yeah mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but if you think about it you know from a conspiracy theorist point of view it happened in the year 2020 mm. and what is 2020 it's perfect vision yeah. right yeah. the all-seeing eye and I was like damn Mm. I could have predicted this. Like, why mm. did I not think like that? Anyway, that's that's another avenue of discussion. But basically, um, yeah, I went to work in this lab. Didn't have to wear safety glasses. Just scrubs. Did PCR. Ran forty five cycles. Which is obviously um, for 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 anybody watching who um, isn't accustomed to obviously uh, would have heard what the PCR test is, but isn't accustomed to the cycle threshold. So. Um, Kerry Mullis, the person who invented the PCR test, um, stated, and it's on video, you know, it's on YouTube and BitTube and all the rest of it, um, said it's not a diagnostic tool and it should never be used as such. And anything that's, uh, any test that's tested above, I think it's 24, 25 cycles, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You're, you're looking at a 97% false positive rate. Um, hospitals and test centres are testing them at 45 cycles. So am I right in saying... And even the WHO admitted it was... The, the World Health Organisation, yeah. yeah. That, they admitted that 45 cycles was too much and they were getting false positives from it. Yeah. Um, so, and this is one of the things that I've been kind of harping on about a bit more recently because the, um, the CDC in the United States have turned around and said that as of 31st of December, they're going to do a class one recall of all PCR tests. Uh, whether or not they um, replace it with something else is by the by, because their exact words were, it does not differentiate between coronavirus, common colds, flu, flu. and obviously COVID-19, and never has been able to. So my question straight away was like, how the hell are people not screaming and shouting from the rooftops about this when those lockdowns, especially you think lockdown yeah. two and three... Were driven were, purely were, by PCR positive tests. Case yeah, numbers. which then has actually shut for good. Oh, I think something around three hundred thousand businesses and and families' livelihoods yeah. because of these PCR tests. Yeah. Now, we also know that there was millions and millions and millions of these PCR tests bought and shipped in two thousand eighteen for one purpose. So, you know, this is how. And it has it, to be a specific test. You you, yeah. know, you need to know what that test is being used for. so that means that in 2018 they knew mm. about covid mm-hmm. yeah no. they did they, they've <laughs> known about it for a long long time again but this is just reaffirming ladies and gents that this isn't something that just popped up and the, the governments have tried best they can to deal with this situation as people still say now oh poor boris you know i would like to be in his shoes oh, I know. like it's it's he's done such a great job in protecting us and keeping us safe that's what i hear from my neighbors yeah and i just my like, brain this has been planned <laughs> for so so long you know, I, I shared something the other day from the uh, actual Canadian government website where um, you type in a particular word and um, actual contract tenders were put out in 2016 asking for ammunitions companies to supply loads of tear gas and pyrotechnics mm. to be used for the COVID-19 pandemic. This is in 2016 oh. and it's on the Canadian website, wow. Canadian government website. So I need to get a gas mask then, is what you're saying. (laughs) 
yeah, yeah, don't go to Canada. Um, so, but, um, regarding the test, the lateral flow test, um, obviously yeah. it's all we're hearing about at the minute. My kids are just so fed up with it because their friends are, parents are like, you need to do a lateral flow test. You need to do a lateral, it's like it's the only way to, do, you, you know, what, when in history, and Dr. Sam White said this really well, when in history have you ever shoved something up your nose to diagnose you for something that isn't by a physician? When have you been diagnosed for a cold or a virus or a condition that hasn't been diagnosed by an actual physician? Right. When in history has that ever happened? Right, right, right. And why can't you do a, a spit test right. rather than shove something straight up your nose? Yeah, yeah. Well, we were actually trying to develop spit tests at the, the hospital that I work for when we were doing the PCR tests. Mm -hmm. um, once again it's all about using the primer sequences that are specific for coronavirus you know mm. like your test is only as good as the tools that you have yeah, yeah. to develop it but yeah you're right and um i now work for a, a high street shop <laughs> and um working earning 10 pounds an hour when i used to earn five times six times that an hour and um the company provided lateral flow tests and i thought oh i'm going to take some of these home and um look at the instructions, look how the test is supposed to be done. So if you look at the test, it says, blow your nose and get rid of all the mucus out of your nose, right, before you do the test. That doesn't make any sense to me because as a scientist, you want to be swabbing the fluids yeah, yeah. that contain the virus, right? If you're testing for a virus, then why would you blow your the nose and get rid of all that? Yeah. And then you have to swab right up into your nose and scrape against your skin, right doesn't make like you say just why can you just not wipe the snot <laughs> and on the swab and test that because surely if the virus is present you're going to be detecting it so um i was reading it i was reading the instructions and nowhere did it say how the test worked mm. and i was like how does this test work it just tells you how to do it mm -hmm. but it didn't actually tell you how it works so i thought right i'm going to do some googling so i got on um pubmed um, which is this scientific um basically Google for scientists. And I um, Googled the publication where the lateral flow test had been validated in the UK for asymptomatic testing right. of people for COVID. And read the publication and saw that there was a corresponding author called Tim Pito. So I was like, ah, I'm going to email Tim. So I send off this email to Tim saying, oh, hi, Tim, I'm Joe. I've got a PhD in molecular biology. I've worked in antibody engineering. You know, I understand how lateral flow tests work. They use antibodies and antibodies recognize proteins. So obviously the lateral flow test isn't like the PCR test because the PCR is looking for DNA or RNA. RNA. Um, it's looking for a protein. So please can you tell me... <laughs> What protein is the test detecting? And he came back with, excellent question. We don't know. We're trying to reverse engineer it to figure it out. And my brain just wanted to explode because I was like, here is a, is, a, is a guy who's published an article validating the lateral flow test for the detection of COVID-19, but doesn't actually know how the test works. And I replied back and said, well, let me give you some insight. I suspect it's spike protein. Yeah. And if it is spike protein that the test is detecting, then it's no wonder that vaccinated people are testing positive for COVID because when you are vaccinated, you are given genetic instructions 
and your body makes spike protein. So people who are vaccinated are making spike protein and the lateral flow tests are detecting spike mm. protein. So it's a self-perpetuating scamdemic. And mm. that is what basically what I replied back to him and I haven't heard back from him since. Mm. So um, that's just my opinion as a scientist. I have no proof because like I say, I haven't even, you know. Well, maybe he saw your email and quit. <sighs> I don't know. I should email him asking if he's all right. Yeah. Sorry, mate. I didn't mean to upset you. I'm just I trying to figure out I, what's going I, on. I mean, didn't mean to blow your mind. Although you should really know this. You know, yeah. But As a scientist, gonna... wouldn't you question it? Yeah. Yeah, but also writing a publication and then like admitting you don't know how it works. Yeah. How can you validate a test when you don't actually know how yeah, it yeah. works? But we've seen this the whole time. Hence why the PCR test, like, it's not validated uh, to do what it does because it doesn't detect the very thing that it's they're saying it's supposed to be looking for. Yeah. And it doesn't take somebody like myself who's got a podcast and, uh, and and other people like such, you don't need to be a scientist or a doctor no. to understand that. No. Um, that this is just one massive, like you're saying, self-perpetuated cycle of scam. Yeah. Um, and this is exactly why so many people I know who have um, been vaccinated are, have been tested positive for COVID. Like, and then said, oh, I've got COVID again. But the first thing they say is, well, it's a good job I got vaccinated, otherwise I would end up in hospital. And it's just like, oh my God, like, and I, I, I'm not, I'm angry at the system, not them. Like, the, you know, right. and I say this all the time, like, every single person m- makes a choice. You've got a choice to do everything, right? Right. For now. It's called, yeah, it's <laughs> called freedom, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, everyone at some point in, over the last year has made a choice what they think is the best thing for them and their family or themselves or their career yeah. or in some cases, you know, because you like working in an industry where you feel like I need to protect others because that has been the very, very strong subliminal messaging has been it's all about protect others, wear your mask, protect others, get jabbed. If you're not vaccinated, then you're selfish. Yeah, protect others, protect others, protect others. Um, and so people have done what they done their choice for whatever reason. And I think, like, it, and even now, where so, like, so many of my friends, so many people in my, you know, wider circle... Uh, who've been vaccinated are like, oh my God, I feel like absolute death. Um, I tested positive, but I'm so glad that I, you know, had it because I was going to It would have been worse. But it's, How do you know you would have been worse? That's the point. It's like, it's all just yeah, hearsay. Yeah, but we you know, know we, we know the scientific evidence is there. That, and just like you said, that they're, they are producing the spike protein within themselves. Right. The variants within themselves. Right. Which is what's making them ill. And obviously the more spike protein the lower their immune system is, isn't it? Because right. it actually it attacks right. the immune system. And do you know what's quite interesting? So I've been working with another um, group of people to basically allow um, us to inform people exactly how the vaccines work. So I've been doing a lot of reading okay. around the different um, government um, information out there. So basically, if you watch any of the NHS videos about the vaccine or look on the website, they do not explain in clear terms that it is genetic code that people are being injected with Mm. and that their own cells are making a spike protein that is foreign to their body right Mm -hmm. then in my opinion it's genetic engineering Mm -hmm. right that's my opinion but if you go to the cdc website in america they've actually got a pretty good write-up and they give a pretty clear explanation Mm -hmm. as to how the vaccines work um, so it's interesting to to see the difference in the way the governments are providing the information because on the mm. NHS they just don't even mention they they just say it's just yeah. like a normal vaccine and I'm like it is not like a normal vaccine. We used to when we used to try and generate antibodies in the pharma industry, um, we would routinely for the most part 
um, say if you've got a certain protein like this camp mm-hmm. that is representative of a protein on a brain tumor mm-hmm. we could make that protein just that one protein in a cell purify it and then inject it into mice or rats for them to produce antibodies to it mm-hmm. that's one way of generating antibodies yeah. that we can use for, for therapeutic use but sometimes proteins are very complex. They're glycosylated. They have all these post... Once the protein's been made, um, enzymes come back and, and modify it and put sugars on it. And that's very difficult to do in the lab. So if you've got a protein target that's highly glycosylated and highly chemically modified, you you really need to... You can't, you can't make it in the lab. Mm. So what we used to do, the strategy, was to take the genetic sequence of that protein and immunise rats or mice with the genetic sequence, Mm. just like what we're doing now with humans. We're immunising them with genetic code. And quite often, the rats and the mice would die Mm. for no reason. I've seen these in a lot of the the trial reports and stuff like that, yeah. Um, Especially with especially with these because um and they found like when they did the autopsies on the animals like their organs were all completely like smashed from spike protein wasn't it the sp2 spike protein yeah the spike protein i i i I just don't think it's (laughs) i think it's been engineered to to cause damage yeah but i mean the the fact that the spike protein in these um in these jabs have patents on them yeah and Dr. Richard Fleming shared this. The patents are owned by the Rothschilds and were patented in 2015. So for anybody watching who doesn't know who the Rothschilds are, they're a very large family. Multi-trillionaires own all the, with uh, them and the Rockefellers and uh, the Black BlackRock and uh, Vanguard groups, they, yeah. they own the world banks, like all of them. So when everyone's going, oh yeah, Jeff Bezos, he's the richest in the world. They're not, the, 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 these people are like multi-multi-trillionaires who are calling all the shots right now. Because um, you've got, the, you got them, the Vanguard group, they uh, they basically control uh, the Bill and Melinda Gates foundations, the Clintons. They then control, obviously, large portions of the pharmaceutical companies. Yep. The pharmaceutical companies are all have, obviously, shares. Yep. A lot of these shares are owned by people in governments. I mean, you only have to look at uh, old Gladys from Australia, New South Wales Premier, um, she was offered $68 million by AstraZeneca to completely crash the economy in New South Wales and carry out and push all the policies and the lockdowns that we're seeing. So, t- Money talks. P- please tell me again how the governments are just trying to do the very best by their people in these countries. Um, I-, I think what we're seeing as well in, in Canada and Australia now, uh, and I-, I-, I, you know, I continue to please encourage people in the UK to actually look away from BBC, Sky News, stuff like that, and mainstream media, because they are absolutely compressing everything. Um, and look at what's happening in Australia. So in Victoria alone, like as of now, I think it is, like you, you can't even go to work and, and get a job unless you're vaccinated. And even their level of exemptions are like so small. Like they, it's almost like they won't accept you to be exempt. Um, you have to have obviously have this pass. Italy have completely brought in a COVID pass. You can even go to the supermarket, places like Cyprus. You need to be vaccinated to get fuel for your car. Um, you know, there's countries that are, have brought all of this in. Um, and although things might seem quite relaxed and open here in the UK, it's going to change. If you've actually been paying attention to what's going on, um, 
things are going to change very quickly in a bad, 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 bad way. Uh, so the Coronavirus Act was extended without voting in uh, for another six months, meaning that the government has jurisdiction. So the way I understand it is because um, we are in a pandemic and we have, um, you know, this pandemic status... Um, the vaccines have been approved for emergency use, use only, yeah. because we're in pandemic status. Mm, yeah, absolutely. As soon as that pandemic status ends, the vaccines, the vaccines can no longer be administered under the yeah. emergency yeah. authorization. Yeah. So they need the pandemic status to continue to administer the yeah. vaccines because they're still under clinical yeah. trial. And they have to, and they have to acknowledge all other alternative treatments as well. So yeah. your HCQs, your IVAs. Yeah. Um, yeah. Your Joe Rogan horse dewormers, you know, yeah. all, all those kind of types. Like they have to be acknowledged, don't they, and uh, available. Yeah. If you're not in in, in emergency use, which is what right. we find ourselves in. But yeah. You know, we've been fully open since July doing stuff. Like, please, please tell me where the emergency need is and right. where the pandemic is. Right. Like. I, I, I don't see, well, I haven't seen anyway. Well, now we're getting higher cases in children, so mm. you know what that's all about, right? We need to mm. vaccinate the children. That's what the, what the push is now, right? It's, yeah, it's, it, it, it's, it's shocking. And I, I'm glad that um, a lot of good work from a lot of good people um, has um, prevented. has prevented them being rolled out in uh, down south, places like Dor- uh, Dorset and stuff like that, and it's continuing to do so around the country because the schools are rightly so not wanting the liability because children have died um there is uh, and as i mentioned on the stupid show for those of you seen it there's um a, a police crime number has been issued for people who are pressing charges for murder for the uh, the murder of a, a young 17 year old lad in um in the, uh, the west midlands in, in england um and not only that there's uh, another two schools that they've now just got crime numbers for um for them you know, committing crimes against humanity, um, and that's basically what we're facing. People just, people just need to understand. You know, if it was if it wasn't that serious, why are these charges being brought in? You know, right. they're the questions that you should be asking yourself. Right. You know, if you if you don't really understand what's going on, right. it's a safe vaccine. Mm. Yeah. But my my question is at the minute because obviously they're they're they've got this real big push for the whole booster thing, and the propaganda is already starting. Right, they're already saying. Uh, to save Christmas, you need your booster. To go on holiday next year, you need your booster. Well, think about what we've just been through, ladies and gents. Like, you had to have, be vaccinated to go on holiday without restrictions just for this year. Now they're saying you need your booster for next year. Israel, Israel are already starting to market the fourth jab because the third jab, um, if you haven't got your third jab now in Israel, you're no longer vaccinated. So you're just going to have to keep queuing up and queuing up and queuing up and uh, I guess restrictions and luxuries and all this kind of stuff, there's still no really better off than somebody, somebody who's who isn't vaccinated. Exactly. And, and the point is, from for, as a scientist, the way a vaccine works, in my opinion, <laughs> is that it prevents disease, right? Mm. It, it, you know, if, you, if you've had the tetanus vaccine and you go out into the garden and you cut yourself on a rusty nail and a, the tetanus bacteria goes into your body... Because you've already, because your body's already been primed, your immune system's already mm. been primed, it can attack that bacteria, and, and and you know it can prevent disease. It can prevent the tetanus top, the tetanus bacteria from mm. reproducing. 
But they admit all the time that, you know, once you've had the COVID vaccine, you can still get it and you can still pass it on. So mm. that isn't a vaccine. And which doesn't get, which does not sell the use for COVID um, vaccine passports at all. So they're saying, obviously, they brought it in in Scotland and Wales. And they're saying that like, if you, you can go to nightclubs or big venues where there's 500 or more people, I think it was or something like that. Um, so if you do so, you need to have a COVID passport. But like, so everyone in there would be vaccinated. And what we've seen in many places around the world is where it's been a, a vaccinated only event or stuff like that. There's been breakouts every single time. So the um, the naval ship, which was full of vaccinated sailors and um, uh, you know, well, everyone aboard was, you got the, that, that plane. Um, there was uh, the medical place in uh uh, either Indonesia or Thailand or somewhere like that it was or might have been Singapore there was a, basically these places like a carnival cruise ship yeah. just all, the staff yeah. every passenger massive breakouts and it's because we know that they're producing the Delta variant um, it's, the, the, it's putting the selective pressure on the virus to mutate yeah and um, just like Dr Peter McCulloch said on the podcast and many others have done already um, and that, that's all that's going to happen so you know, if people stand there and comply and allow these passports to come in, and I think that's very much why we're seeing um, it's called the calm before the storm, so mm-hmm. to speak, is because it's all... It's very unsettling to me. <laughs> yeah, but it's all becoming a bit of like social acceptance of what's going on. That the, the British government are very sly at doing it compared to your Canada's and Australia's, France and Italy's yeah. and stuff like that, um, because it becomes more of a like, social accepted norm. Yeah. Oh, well, so what? It's just an app. Right, just an app. Yeah. But then it, what turns from an app is massively turns into digital passports, digital ID, which we know in China has been around for what, over four years now. So in Shenzhen, if you, uh, and this has been in since 2017, if you jaywalk, facial uh, recognition cameras pick up your face and then see what you've committed a crime and instantly take the money out of your bank, like that. And this is what we're already starting to see in UK yeah. now. They're already starting to see about kids being able to pay for things in school using yeah. facial recognition. Yeah, yeah. or eye scans. Yeah. Scan your retina as well. Yeah. yeah, and the fact that most people spend their time on phones, especially children and teenagers, uh, it's all the social acceptance and you get that um, dopamine hit from going like, oh, like, comment, and positive, right. positive, positive being rewarded right and then this is where the problem is going to be because if they start saying well actually you need to have this app and you get rewarded and be able to do all these luxuries by doing x y and z people are used to that anyway and they like that yeah it's like oh yeah like you say it's just another thing just another app to have Mm. right yeah Yeah, i hate apps it's just it's just 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 three weeks to flatten the curve right Mm -hmm. it's just a mask it's the longest three weeks in history Mm. it's just a mask it's just it's just social distancing. It's just it's don't just, have Christmas with your family. It's just one Christmas. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and people are very quick to forget that, like, if you actually add up all the things that they've put in place, um, it's it's quite alarming um, that the sheer amount of people have conformed to it. Yeah, and still conform to it. And still conform to it. <laughs> um, and, and I've been saying this for a few weeks, ladies and gents. This isn't a Although it feels like it sometimes, this isn't a big game of I told you so. No, I want to be wrong. I want to 100%, be wrong. 100%. Like, I so want to be wrong. <laughs> I know. Um, and 
but we're at a point now where it doesn't matter what your um, really what your vaccination status is. Everyone needs to come together like yeah. as soon as possible, like way before winter kicks in properly, um, and they start trying to ramp up the fear and the propaganda yeah. to say that you can't go out unless you've had your booster. You can't do this unless you've had your booster, and then it, then it will be you can't go out unless you've got your vaccine passport. Right. We're going to have to bring vaccine passports in, right. and that's what they'll do. They'll start bringing all this stuff on. Um, and maybe even oh you can't have Christmas because of the unvaccinated people there yeah. they're, the, they're the reason for this mm. you know trying to cause divide yeah yeah well, pre- we're, predicting that yeah we're seeing it already and you know it doesn't help when you've got you know former prime ministers Tony Blair going onto the TV and saying that like he thinks unvaccinated people are going to kill the vaccinated um, and that you know the vaccinated should stop talking to the unvaccinated and stuff like that um, how these people get air divide time and conquer. Yeah, yeah, but that, that, that's the thing, you know. As as a nation, as human beings, you know, as uh, as British people, you know, we've got to come together and yeah. stand up against this because, you know, especially, you know, if you've got got kids, and if you even if you haven't got kids, like your chances are you've got a nephew, a niece, stuff like that. It's, it's their future is going to be the one. Yeah, is that completely crushed by this? You know, they're already trying to like just put the propaganda in about lockdowns and then working from home again. My my son plus all his friends. You know, my niece, they're doing their, they're, they're doing their GCCs this year, it's supposed to be. And I'm, I'm already worried for, like, what it's going to look like because of what they're trying to do. Yeah. You know, based on, really, like, based on no science. This isn't based on science. It's not based on health, is it? No. It's not about a virus. It's not about a deadly virus. <laughs> it's not. So what, what do you, what, what, what's your uh, thoughts? Where, where does your vision sit for the next sort of, like, for this winter? What do you think... What's, predict- what's the worst case scenario first? Well, I'm predicting another lockdown over Christmas and I think they are going to try and bring the vaccine passports in because the government have already kind of alluded to it with their plan B. Mm. Um, and once, if we get to the point like we're at Italy or anywhere, you can't even go shopping unless you've been vaccinated, then isn't that just full-on ty- tyranny? Yeah. Isn't that just... Are we allowed to say it like Nazi Germany? Like yeah. it is, and and it's just mind blowing. And I really fear. But I think the next everyone thinks this is going away, but I think over the next year it's actually going to ramp up even more. Mm. Personally, but best case scenario. Oh, is there a best case scenario? There's got to be a best case scenario that we just let. Bor- us- Boris goes right. I've had enough. I'm not playing the game anymore. Like yeah, I don't. And think actually, do that. and actually, like turns everything around. And then writes a book. <laughs> Best case scenario is that they give us our freedoms and let continue to vaccinate people that want to be vaccinated and mm. leave pe- vaccinate people that want to be vaccinated and leave people alone who don't want to be vaccinated. Mm. But I, they want, in my opinion, they want to get that vaccine into as many people as they can. Oh, and the whole school thing too. They did it last year, right? They opened up the schools. They they let everyone go back to schools after creating chaos in people's homes where people were working from homes and looking after their kids. So when they opened up the schools, all the parents were like, yay, the kids are going back to school and then started to give them the flu jabs at school. Mm-hmm. And then once they got the flu jabs into all the kids, they lock them back down again. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, we know that the flu jabs uh, and the flu miss recently have been making a lot of kids ill yeah because so it's they, like usually live virus of yeah, some kind yeah so they get covid like symptoms yeah then the propaganda's like well this is why you need to get your covid jabs yes kids right. um even though the the risk and it's been said by not just a handful of people that have been on my podcast 
or my opinion, your opinion, it's been said by thousands and thousands and thousands of medical professionals, the risk of myocarditis, pericarditis and other injury, severe injuries from these vaccines in children far outweighs yeah, the, the risk, risk of, of them even getting it, uh, let alone dying from it. Right. Being seriously um, off so, so And at the end of the day, if you've had proper flu, like yeah. proper flu where it kicks your ass and you're in bed for two weeks and you can't move, you ache, you you, you feel like you want to die, that is proper flu. Mm. Not, I've got a bit of a head cold, oh, I've got the mm. flu. No. Proper flu will kick your ass. COVID will probably kick your ass too if your immune system's compromised, if, you know, mm. but it's not going to Or if you have you. a lot of comorbidities or right, you're overweight, exactly. you know, you've, obese, yeah. Yeah, you know, Well, for me, when diet. people say, you know, uh, pe people who are obese are in the at-risk group, well, it, it just makes total sense, right? Because mm. if they're obese, they are not probably eating a healthy, balanced diet. And that's what we need to allow our immune systems to function properly. Mm -hmm. And they're probably not going out and exercising when you go out and exercise, you're getting your blood pumping, mm -hmm. you may be going out and getting your vitamin D from the sun. There's all these other factors mm -hmm. that yeah. contribute. And this is where the problem where these vaccines come in because um, I heard a really good analogy the other day. So like in American football, the, um, the quarterback obviously got the ball and he's always looking for that one runner. And it's like you're saying, but there's loads of other players on the pitch, right? And there's loads of yep. the opposite teams trying to come and smash you. Yeah. So thinking of like your immune system is trying to hit this one target. Yeah. Because that's now what it's, your immune system is doing. To do. Now it's been trained to do because of the RNA te vaccine. Te vaccine technology. Yeah. Um, it's just for the spike protein. Just yeah, exactly. So it's aiming at this one thing, but then it starts getting hit from everywhere else, and it can't defend against it. Right. Which is then why so many vaccinated people now are getting ill. And they're getting ill more often, and then that's basically how their immune system's getting lower and lower and lower. Right. Um, it, it 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 generally like stops me sleeping at night knowing how many in my circle, family, this that, and the other have been you know vaccinated, and, and like with it getting a lot worse, the weather. Um, there's new we're getting new new information every single week through really credible sources. You can see. The, um, the just the draconian measures in these different countries, and, you know, like just the dystopian attitudes of these governments and how they're yeah. willingly, um, you know, you, you go and wave Nuremberg codes in the face and they're breaking it all over no, the place. Like, they literally just take out your hand and stamp on yeah. the floor. Yeah. You know, yeah. like where are the human rights lawyers? Right. Is what I want to know. And it's funny because human rights, when Tony Blair was in office, was a huge thing, right? It was all about people's human rights. Mm. Everything, or most of his agenda was about human yeah, rights. Yeah. But now, apparently, we've lost all of our human rights. Mm. Yeah. We don't have any. But like, yeah, so in Australia, you know, people are getting arrested for putting a post on Facebook. You know, people are having everything taken away from them. You're fined $500 if you take your mask down to have a drink of coffee. Police are actually checking people's coffee cups to make sure there's stuff in it, that they're not just walking around with an empty coffee cup being outside. Like, it's that bad in a country where the temperature is going up. And we're going to find ourselves, slowly but surely, yep. creeping towards that yep. unless we come together and stop this. And, and stop this. I've like, always said this, this all ends when we say no, yeah. no more. And yeah. I, I say that to people all the time. I'm like, yeah. this is only going to end when people just stand up and go, we're not doing this anymore. Yeah. That's the only way. Yeah, no, 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 exactly that. And um, I, I mean, I think, I mean, luckily, a lot of friends and family who have been vaccinated are now like, well, fucking hell, what do I need to go get a booster for? Like, if it weren't the first two times, yeah. why do I need a third? Why do I need a third of the same thing? Do you get, do you get the flu vaccine three times a year? Yeah, but any. Yeah. 
Like, exactly. Yeah. So if it was, this is another reason. We just plain obvious that it's not a vaccine. No. It's and another thing as a scientist, right? So with the flu vaccine, like you just mentioned, they give people the virus, the influenza virus, but mm. they've treated it so it can't replicate in your body. Yeah, yeah. So you get the virus in your body and it's circulating in your blood and your immune system's recognising it and, and, you know, it's a form of vaccination. Why aren't they doing that with the coronavirus then? Mm. Why aren't they just giving people the coronavirus that's attenuated? Mm. Why are they giving people genetic code? Mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense. As a scientist, it doesn't make sense. Mm. They're obviously using this as a huge experimental trial, because it is an experimental trial, to test out their technology. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which obviously Robert Malone, one of the inventors of the RNA technology, explained fully on our podcast, because originally the technology was uh, used in in the military, the RNA technology. Uh, And this is for the programming and all this kind of stuff, and how it connects wirelessly, slightly enough, to substances. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> exactly, and um, then they've—that's where they've been or brought it into actually these vaccinations. This mRNA technology, um, really scary stuff. Like, but and then, the fact that there's certain people who are invested heavily in these companies that make these technologies. Yeah, exactly. Like the exactly. aforementioned people that we talked about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And it, again, guys, it's um, if this is all kind of like mind blowing to you, I think one of the quick, quickest and easiest things I've done is. Um, it's, it's follow the money, you know, yep. actually look at the trends of where the money's gone for everything. So I explained earlier about uh, the Rothschilds have the patents on the spike proteins in these RNA technology jabs, right? Um, and they're trying to do whatever they can to get as many out around the world. Okay, so ask yourself, why, why is that? You know? So when I was living in New Mexico, actually, my neighbour um, told me about a documentary called Thrive, and it's a two-hour documentary that basically woke me up. It, it was one of the things that woke me up, and it explains what we're just talking about. Mm. It kind of talks about aliens a little bit at the beginning, which if you're not into that, you can kind of skip through, but mm. it gives a very good explanation of how the world works. Okay, that's, that's really interesting. Yeah, Thrive it's called. Yeah. Oh, cool. So, yeah, that's what basically that woke me up. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, it, some a lot of this is very difficult to kind of suddenly process if it's all very new to you and uh, and I think that's what uh, we find in a lot of people I think the worst the worst you could thing you could do is just like hammer somebody who you know who follows a narrative with just all this information um, because it just overwhelms them yeah. you know and then they become disinterested if you then just start hammering with all this scientific jargon medical jargon yeah. and it's, people just don't understand it right. if you don't and they're playing on that too they're playing on the fact that people don't understand the science yeah 100 percent. yeah, yeah. Uh, or uh, people just won't follow the money for example right. Right. you know that's what been one of the biggest things that everything links to each other you know like just look at the fact that you, you you've got to get pcr tests to go on holiday but you can only use a specific, a specific company, company <laughs> uh and pay for it to pay for a test which doesn't differentiate between colds flus and stuff um, and then even though you pay for one to come home, even though it says negative, you've still, still got, got to, to quarantine. quarantine. <laughs> and if it's a red list country, you've got quarantine at your expense in a hotel for 10 days, which has loads of people on work that work in there who act like prison guards. So you literally kept a prisoner as a healthy person in your own country. One of the main contractors that works, uh, supplies security staff for those hotels is G4S. Mm. They're renowned for being pretty useless, right? So... They massively messed up with the 2012 Olympic Games, which meant that the army then had to like come in and supply those people to do security. 
majority of people in these quarantine hotels aren't English. Mm. They're all from the dinghies. <clears throat> this is seriously. The people that are becoming over as illegal immigrants are then working in these hotels because if you say they're all big hotels. So if you imagine you've got 50 to 100 staff needed for 24 hour periods, right? Seven days a week, 365 days a year. Um, it's going to be very difficult to in, recruit 50 to 100 English people that aren't going to ask questions. Yeah. Aren't going to stand and go, hang on a minute. There's nothing wrong why with these people. Why is he not allowed out of his room? Why, is, why are we <laughs> keeping these people locked up? Whereas these people have no idea what's going on. They just want to get paid. Yeah, and, and they just uh, want to be away from where they're trying yeah, to escape from. So there's exactly. whatever means necessary. Hundred percent, and that's exactly what's happening. And I know this because I've I've spoken to people in who's had to stay in hotels, and I've asked them to go and speak to a lot of these people and ask them where they're from, and that every single one of them can say they're coming on a boat. Uh, and and that's the problems we face. It's all very financial it's all, all, it's all fi- yeah it's all orchestrated it's all fi- uh, money power driven well it all is even even with people like you know with people i believe there's people who are working in the nhs and who are working in the pharmaceutical industries that realize this is the scam for what it is yeah. but they need their job yeah you know and i was at the position where i when i went to work doing the pcr testing i turned and told the manager i don't need this job I don't I, I because I'm because I'm awake I've got savings I'm minimizing my expenses I'm living a life so I'm not completely dependent on my job yeah, and, the state and... and the state so you know I don't but people need to work mm-hmm. yeah so they're stuck between a rock and a hard place mm. well we know what's um the government agendas are when it comes to priming people and priming the public they all they, they pretty much tell you what they're going to do Yep. And they've, uh, Sajid already said yesterday, I think it was, that he's leaning towards all the NHS staff having to be vaccinated. Well, that's just going to cause loads of whistleblowers, for starters. Yeah, hopefully. Because, because I, I, every, without fail, every single day, either on email or Instagram or Facebook or something like that, I get a nurse or a practitioner in the NHS reach out to me every day. And the messages are very similar. Like, they can't wait to get out. There's so much sinister stuff going on. Um, it's horrendous. It's been like it since day one. Like, and, and I get every single day without fail. Yeah. I get a different nurse or physician contact me. Yeah. Saying that they're they're going to speak out. They've had enough. They're walking well, hopefully away. Hopefully they'll come on your show and tell the truth. Yeah, but I mean, so, yeah, some are. Um, you know, over the next few weeks because it's not just like in recent months. Obviously, you've got like the the really really bad issue with what happened in the care homes. Yeah. Um, March, April, May last year. Um, which is a genuine, genuine thing. Yeah. Um, and what, what the protocols we're actually seeing at the minute with the use of remdesivir and medazolam still in actual hospital settings. Um, mm. I, I, honestly, like every week someone reaches out and says, oh, my partner or my loved one or someone's been taken into hospital, um, gone straight for a chest x-ray, even though like they probably didn't need it, they just need some antibiotics. Break their leg or something. <laughs> Honestly, and then it's just like, oh, well, um, you, you've tested positive on a PCR test because they're testing them at 45, 40 to 45 cycles. They're um, then put on a COVID ward. They're offered remdesivir, which we know attacks uh, or creates acute kidney problems and the lung failure, which obviously is signs of COVID, COVID like yeah. bad COVID. So yeah. they end up on a ventilator with yeah, medazolam. Yeah, on a ventilator, you've done... Yeah, you got was it like 80, 90 percent chance of dying? Yeah, chance yeah. of dying on a ventilator. Yeah. Um, and if you want to follow the money, ladies and gents, obviously, the majority of the ventilators that were provided um, 
during the pandemic was by Dyson. They were offered a three hundred fifty million pound contract. Oh, that's nice for them. Yeah, and a, a month before the contract was awarded, Boris Johnson's brother started working for them oh, as an executive. Mm. Oh, really? That's yeah. interesting. So again, a bit of a coincidence. Follow it? the money. Yeah. yeah. Did you also know that you can get um, there's such a thing as ventilator acquired pneumonia? Right. <laughs> okay. That's, yeah, yeah, you can read it in the scientific press. I, mm. I I I was doing Google searches about you know. Um, I'm quite often Googling random stuff and I didn't realise that the ventilators are contaminated with pneumonia bacteria. So mm. when they put you on a ventilator, you acquire pneumonia. Mm. You probably wouldn't have got and it. And that's just where this new term COVID, COVID pneumonia keeps coming from. Because a few people who reached out said, oh, they told him he's got COVID pneumonia. And I'm like, well, hang on a minute, I'm not a scientist or but anything. COVID's but one thing and pneumonia is a different thing. One's bacterial, one's viral. Yeah. Yeah, just like with the flu, right? You get flu, but usually what happens is the flu virus weakens your immune system and then you die from pneumonia because a pneumonia bacteria takes over and, 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 yeah. and kills. Yeah. It's not the flu that mm. kills, it's the pneumonia. Yeah, which is what happened to my granddad um, last year. He was 97. You know, it was you know, really good innings. Um, and yeah, it was it was pneumonia that kind of like got the, got the better, which yeah. it does for so many, it does. you yeah. know, a large percentage of people that age. Yeah. Mm. My friend's brother passed away from pneumonia at 40-something years old. Wow. Bless him. Yeah. Well, Joe, thank you very much for coming on the thank show today. You for and uh, me. I hope you've in, enjoyed this experience yeah, at uh, the Age of Rock Show HQ. Uh, first person to do so. Um, your yeah. trophy will be in the post. <laughs> um, guys and girls, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Um, please make sure you give us a subscribe if you haven't done so already. Um, please share with as many people as possible. Uh, we're going into potentially some dark, dark times, ladies and gents, especially as we go into winter. So it's really important that we, you know, we get these messages out to as many people as possible, to help as many people as possible. Remember, this isn't a game of I told you so, this is a game of we need to help as many people as possible, as quickly as possible. Okay, and that's the aim of the show. Um, on that note, the, um, as, as the show has grown quite significantly um, and the demand's grown quite significantly, I'm having to bring in resources from external um, places. Um, and to that end, um, if you have got a spare couple of quid or whatever and you'd like to donate to the work that our show is doing, then please do so. The link is in the show notes. It would be very, very much appreciated uh, as we move forward and we try to reach as many people as possible. Um, your support, as always, ladies and gents, will be forever remembered. Um, if you want to get in touch over the next few weeks, please do so via my website. I'm literally about to launch a large open forum on there, which is going to have pages and pages full of FAQs to do with the whole um, situation we find ourselves in, whether that be, be legal, whether that be medical, uh, any kind of scientific papers. Um, it's also given me the opportunity to, for doctors and nurses in the group that I'm a very much a big part of to be able to up upload proper informed uh, content for you to digest um, and articles from them um, and also a place for anybody to, that's got any questions that they should be able to get them answered as well. So it's going to be pretty much a central hub that anybody can get information for if they come stuck. So if your boss starts you know, saying you've got to wear a mask at work, um, if they're pushing, obviously, jabs on you, you know, you can find all the legal templates, all this kind of stuff is all going to be centralised in this forum, which will be launching this week on my website, mrajroberts.com. Thanks again for tuning in, guys. And as I mentioned before, please give the show a share. You know, if you can help one person, we're doing our job, right?
Alright, uh, so for me and Joe, have a, uh, enjoy the rest of your evening and I'll see you next time on the AJ Roberts Show.